Well, good morning again. Let me just uh, recap for you in case you are, this is one of your first Sundays with us, or maybe you've missed a few of the, the weeks here. You're catching us in the middle of a, a series right now. We have entitled The Nine, and we are talking about our cloud of witnesses. And as you can see behind me, well, we've been talking about several different characters and individuals throughout the scriptures that make up the, these cloud of witness relationships that we need. And we started several weeks ago uh, highlighting different characters from the scriptures, and we began by talking about Jonathan and how we, we said every one of us in our cloud of witnesses, we need a covenant friend, we need a good friend, a friend who draws the best out of us spiritually. We laid that alongside what we, what we said about Barnabas, that everybody, no matter who you are in your life, you need a relentless encourager. Where discouragement is so rampant in our culture today, we need those constant encouragers. So we need a Barnabas. And we shifted gears and we talked a little bit about Deborah. And we said we need Deborah who is a wise companion in the scriptures. And so we said we need those individuals who are wiser, who are a little further along than we are on the journey. But who also will bring that wisdom as they come alongside of us. And so Deborah is that wise companion. And then down on the end, a couple of weeks back, we talked about Epaphras. And we said this is one of the most important members of our cloud of witnesses, but we need Epaphras, we need the prayer wrestler, the person who doesn't just say, you know, I'll, I'll be, be praying for you, but the one who really gets down in the, the nitty gritty, into the, the details of our lives and, and prays for us. For the last two weeks, we've talked about Paul and Timothy. So we've acknowledged that we all, no matter who we are, we all need godly mentors, we need those saints who've gone before us, who can share with us what they've learned along the way. But also, every one of us, we need a younger protege. We need someone to whom we can pass that baton of faith. And that leads us now today to the character that we'll talk about. And this is a character who is a little more, I don't know, behind the scenes than some of these others. I would suggest to you this morning that this is a character in the scriptures that some of us may not have ever even heard of. But this is a, an individual whose impact is so great, not only in our lives in the present, but especially years later, we're able to look back and acknowledge how this individual blessed us. Moses is one of the great leaders in the scriptures, but I'm convinced that without the presence of this individual, Moses might never have become the leader that God wanted him to become. Today we're talking about Jethro. Like I said, some of us, we, we don't even know Jethro as a name from the Bible. Maybe you think of, you know, Jethro Tull or some, uh, you know, Beverly Hillbillies kind of character. But, but Jethro in the scriptures, his whole thing, every time we see Jethro, every time we come across this individual, he is making a habit of blessing Moses. And so in our lives, you and I, we also need a Jethro. We need someone who is going to make it their mission, listen, to bless us toward the mission of God. We'll read about Jethro in the book of Exodus. If you'd like to turn there in your Bible or pull that up on your phone, your iPad, whatever you have, we'll look at Exodus chapter 4 in just a moment. But as we work our way toward that, I just want to walk through very quickly the things that take place in the first three chapters of Exodus because the story of Moses in those first few chapters helps us understand what happens when we get to Exodus chapter 4. When we see Exodus chapter 1, the scene opens in Egypt, and we have the children of Israel there. 
Pharaoh has decreed that all the Hebrew baby boys are to be killed. They're to be thrown into the Nile River. And why would Pharaoh do that? Well, he is threatened. He feels as if the Israelites have grown too strong. They've grown too numerous. So he issues this decree. But, but we hone in on this faithful Hebrew woman named Jochebed. And she gives birth to a baby boy and she hides him for three months. And at the end of that three-month period of time, she, she realizes that she can't continue to, uh, to, to nurse this child. So she, she, she gets this basket and she puts the baby boy in the basket and lays it among the reeds in the Nile River. And in the story, we find Pharaoh's daughter, the princess. She comes to the river and she hears the sounds. And so she goes and she, she looks in the basket and she sees this baby boy. And she feels sorry for him and she adopts him and she names him Moses because she drew him out of the water and as the story goes on Moses spends his early years in the palace of Pharaoh the prince of Egypt right and so he spends all of his years there luxuriating in Pharaoh's palace and one day the Bible says when he's older he's spending time among his people the Hebrew people and he looks out and he sees an Egyptian mistreating one of the Israelites in fact he sees this man he's being so harsh that Moses just lashes out in anger and he kills this Egyptian and he buries him in the sand and when Pharaoh hears about this, he issues a decree that Moses, his step-grandson, must be killed. And before they can catch Moses, Moses flees. He heads to the east, and he goes to this far land of Midian. And that's where he meets Jethro, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he marries one of Jethro's daughters, a lady by the name of Zipporah. And he spends his years out tending to the flocks, of Jethro and that's where we find him in Exodus chapter 3 it's on one of those days when he's tending those flocks that God speaks to Moses from the midst of this burning bush and he says to Moses the words we just sang you're standing on holy ground you should take off your shoes and so Moses does and so the holy God gives a holy command a holy mission to Moses on this holy ground he says I want you to go back to Israel and I want you to bring my people up out of slavery and Moses balks at that he he at first is, is very reluctant to do this but he finally accepts the the call of God but before he can turn and head toward Egypt he goes to Jethro he goes to his father-in-law in Exodus chapter 4 and there's an interaction there between these two men that I want us to focus our attention on together this morning Exodus 4 verse 18 it's a Rather short verse, but this is where we'll focus our attention. The word of the Lord says, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, quite simply, go in peace. That's it. That th this is where I just want us to pause. The story obviously continues from there. But in this interaction between Moses and Jethro, before anything else happens, there is this word of blessing from Jethro. Moses goes to his father-in-law, he asks for permission, and, and when Jethro responds, in this translation here, it says, go in peace, uh, as it's rendered in a lot of our translations. But, but the Hebrew scholars who, who look at this, they see a, a slight little distinction that for them makes a huge difference in how we are to interpret and understand this particular blessing. So when Jethro says, go in peace, it sounds an awful lot like he's just wishing Moses success on his journey. 
right? I mean, that's kind of the way it sounds. In fact, this verse in the New International Version is translated this way. Jethro says, go, and I wish you well, which sounds an awful lot like, you know, hey, best of luck. Maybe we would say today, Godspeed on your journey, Moses. But that's not what Jethro says here. Jethro uses a Hebrew phrase, lech leshalom. Like the sound of that? We practice it together. You can spit all over the person next to you if you want to, all right? Lech leshalom is what Jethro says. And actually, literally what lech leshalom means is go toward peace. Go to peace. And that's interesting because, you know, if, if Jethro was saying go in peace, he would have used a different phrase. Instead of lech leshalom, he would have said lech bashalom, which is go in peace. But he doesn't say go in peace, he says go toward peace. So you might be thinking, okay, big di- what's the big difference? Well, according to the Hebrew scholars, there's a huge difference. Lech bashalom, or go in peace, that's the blessing that was usually reserved for a time when you would be saying goodbye to a loved one. So it does fit kind of the image here of Moses and Jethro saying goodbye. But get this, it's the time when you would say goodbye to a loved one, particularly at the point of death. Go in peace is the blessing that you would pray for your loved one at the point of that ultimate departure. It's much like we would say of someone, may he, may she rest in peace. What are we saying there? We're saying, may their soul be committed over to God, right? May may he or she find their ultimate rest in their relationship with God into eternity. That's what we're saying. But we say that at moments of grief. We say that when there's a casket down front. We say that when we're at the graveyard, right? Rest in peace or lech shalom, go in peace. It is a, a blessing for the dead. And in fact, the Hebrew scholars say, if you were to say that, not to someone who's deceased or who's about to die, but to say that to the living was an ultimate insult. It's the ancient Near Eastern equivalent of saying drop dead, right? I wish you were dead. Definitely not a word of blessing. But that's not what Jethro says. Jethro instead says, go toward peace. And this has an entirely different meaning. So if go in peace or rest in in peace is the, the blessing for the dying, then go toward peace is the blessing for the living. And what Jethro is saying to Moses is I I pray that you would have ultimate success in what God is calling you to do. May you find life and may you find peace in this calling that God has placed on your life, son. And can you imagine at that critical moment in the life of Moses, can you imagine more powerful words that could be spoken? Jethro alters the trajectory of the life of Moses by speaking these words of blessing over him. I love the way one author puts it. Leonard Sweet says this this idea of go to peace or go toward peace. He says it has the peacemaking sense of shalom. And I love the way he puts it. The channeling of energies that bring wholeness and wellness to the world. The idea here when when, when he says go toward peace, Jethro is wishing That Moses would experience the fullness of God's peace, the fullness of God's blessing. And in a world like the one that Jethro and Moses live in, there could be no greater blessing 
that you could bestow upon someone than to say, may you go toward the peace of God. And that is the blessing that Jethro confers upon his son-in-law. At this moment, again, when Moses, I think, is still a little reluctant, he's still not really sure about this whole go back to Egypt thing, Jethro is the one who pushes him out of the tent. Jethro is the one who says, no, 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 if God has called you to this, you need to get out of here and you need to go. He gives him that little gentle nudge that he needs in order to go and to to be faithful to this redemptive mission that God has given him. And in this way, Jethro is the one who blesses Moses forward. He propels him forward into the work that God has called him to do. So in essence, he's saying, go forward and make peace. This is what God has called you to do. That's what, the, that's what Jethro does with Moses, and that's what the Jethro does in your life and in mine. Your Jethro blesses you forward when you're tempted to turn back. At this point in the story, again, I believe Moses is still, he's still a little wishy-washy. You know, he's kind of done this back and forth thing with God. Well, I'm not sure I'm the one. I'm not sure that I'm well-spoken enough. I, you know, he comes up with all these excuses about why he's not the right one to return back to Egypt. And for good reason. Egypt was the place of his greatest moral failure. Just think about that for a minute. What if God was calling you to go and do ministry and in the place where your greatest failure occurred. Remember, Moses is a wanted man in Egypt. It's his step-grandfather that declared him public enemy number one, right? So if they had a, a post office and you walked in, in in Egypt, you know, you'd see Moses' face up there. You know, like, we're still looking for this guy. He's still at large. And I'm sure his heart sank a little bit. Whenever he heard God saying, I I want you to go to Egypt, Moses is probably thinking, Egypt, no, not not Egypt. I mean, anywhere else, don't you have some other work for me to do, Lord? And God says, no. But it was Jethro. It was Jethro who who blessed Moses forward so that he could go toward that peace. So he could step fully into that mission that God had for him. And that made all the difference in the world for Moses. To have someone bless you forward, that's a powerful act. The blessing I have in mind, it's it's different than than the encouragement you get from Barnabas. It's totally different. Or or different from the, the wisdom that you might get from Deborah. We're blessed through those individuals being a part of our cloud of witnesses, and we give thanks that we that we have them. But with Jethro in particular, The blessing that we receive through him or through her has to do with God's calling and God's purpose. Jethro blesses us toward mission, to live more fully on fire for God, to live more fully into the purpose for which God created us. And every conversation is is sort of focused on this whole under the auspices of God's calling for our lives. The Jethro in your life loves you. And the Jethro in your life wants what is best for you. But the Jethro in your life understands that what is truly best for you is for the will of God to be done in your life. And so that's why he or she will always come back 
to this language of what God wants for you, what God is calling you to do, what God created you to do. That is the kind of blessing that makes Jethro stand out in our cloud of witnesses. Jethro is the one who propels us to be able to step into the great and glorious future that God has prepared for us. Parents, you know this as well as I do, but our children desperately need us to be the Jethro's in their lives. Our children need us to be the people who speak those words of blessing over them and into them so that they can become the people that God wants them to be. John Trent and Gary Smalley have written a wonderful little book just called The Blessing. And the tagline is giving the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. And they explore this biblical model of blessing. And I'm telling you, it's, it's one of the things that's been transformative for, for me as Sonny and I are trying to even raise our own children. So they talk about how, how in the Hebrew language, in the Old Testament, that word bless is used 640 times in the Old Testament alone. And so you have all these instances where, you know, where, where the parent is going to issue some sort of word of blessing. You might think of Jacob and Esau and all the trouble that, that came up between those two. It all centered on Isaac wanting to give the blessing to Esau and withholding some sort of blessing from Jacob. So that this is more than just kind of a, you know, hey, good job, son, you're, you're really great. No, no, this is something that the children of Israel were craving to hear. These are words, it's more than just like affirmation or make your self-esteem feel good. This is like spiritual depth. It's some sort of word from another person and only that individual can bless you and anoint you and give you that that blessing and you see this all throughout the old testament scriptures and one of the things these authors point out is that all of that comes directly from the heart of god you know the very first thing that god does after he creates us and they pointed this out in the book i was like i didn't remember that being there genesis 1 god created man in his own image the image of god he created him male and female he created him then God blessed them. God intentionally blesses his children. Was that some sort of like spoken blessing? Was there some sort of ceremony? I don't know. I wish we had more details, right? But starting at this point and working all the way through the Old Testament scriptures, you find this same idea of blessing coming up over and over at these significant moments, these rites of passage. Marriage and birth, the passing of the mantle of leadership from one generation to the other, it's all couched in the language of blessing. In the Bible, parents bless their children, and it begins with God the Father blessing us, the children he created to bear his own image. And so in this way, it's, it's really not surprising that Moses would come and seek the blessing from Jethro, is it? It's really, it's really not, if you think about it. You know, uh, Jethro is the father figure in the life of Moses. There's no indication that Moses ever knew his earthly father. The only other paternal figure you could point to would be Pharaoh in those years that Moses spent in his house. But now Pharaoh wants him dead, so that's kind of a bust. Jethro is the father figure for him. And so it's no surprise that Moses, before he would go and pursue the mission that God had for him, he has to go by and get a little check-in with his father-in-law. He has to go and check in and say, okay, what, what, I mean, what do you think? 
and just ourselves go toward peace. This is what God is calling you to do. Jethro blessed Moses as much as anyone. Think about how Moses arrived out there in the desert of Midian. Jethro blessed Moses when he allowed him to marry one of his daughters, Zipporah. Now, again, remember, Moses is a refugee. Moses is a fugitive from the law. So he shows up. He has no wealth. He doesn't have a nickel to his name, right? He certainly doesn't have enough money to pay a a dowry for a bride, right? And yet Jethro says, it's okay. Marry one of my daughters. Jethro is walking away from a small fortune when he gives Zipporah to Moses, who can't pay a dime, right? I mean, do you realize, fathers, how many of you are doing that? You're praying for the man who will marry your daughter one day? How many of you are praying for a penniless felon? Lord, if you'll just bring me one that I could give my daughter to, that would just be fantastic, right? Nobody does that. But Jethro sees Moses, and he sees past all that, and he says, you know what? There's something going on in you that clearly needs nurturing. So take my daughter. Jethro blesses Moses by giving him his daughter's hand in marriage. More than that, Moses doesn't have a skill that I can tell. He has no skill, no skill that actually helps in the workforce. He spent all of his days, again, luxuriating in the palace of Pharaoh. He's never had a callus on his hands. He shows up, not only is he broke and on the run from the law, but he doesn't have a job. So what does Jethro do? He blesses him with a job. He teaches him how to take care of the sheep. And for decades, that's what Moses does. God used Jethro to bring so many blessings into the life of Moses. And God uses your Jethro and my Jethro to bring so many blessings blessings into our lives and all and of all the ways that we could talk about the ways that Jethro blessed Moses the the one I want us to close with the greatest blessing that Moses receives through his relationship with Jethro is this God uses the blessing of Jethro to reverse the curse in the life of Moses And God uses your Jethro in the same way to help reverse the curse that is in your life as well. See, we're all like Moses. We all show up needing the the blessing of someone else. Because like Moses, we we all carry around with us the stain of some of some sort of event in our past. Call it the curse of the past, whatever it might be. But every one of us, we, we all carry that around deep down within. And I know at times we, we dress up well, and at time, you know, we greet each other in the hall, and we shake hands, and it's, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? you know, and we understand the practices of civility. We can't just spill our guts to every single person we come in contact with, right? Nobody wants to hear that. But deep down, deep down, we all bear these stains. We all have some sort of event from our past that, that we struggle with and we feel as if we're cursed. Maybe, maybe like Moses, it's, it's something you did. Maybe there's something back there in the rearview mirror. Some sort of moral failure from the past that you can't live down. 
And you go through life wondering if the people around you really know. Or if they do know, how much do they know? And, and who knows the full story and who doesn't? So you go through life fearful of how that, that stain is still bleeding through, how the curse from your past is, is on display. Because whatever it was that you did, again, that moral failure, you wonder if you're still bearing the stain of that curse. Maybe you can relate to Moses. But maybe it's not the, the, the stain of something that you did. Maybe for you right now what comes to mind is, is the stain of what someone else did to you. And maybe in that interaction, you were the victim. But even though you were the victim, you still feel guilty and you don't know why. And so you live with the stain of what someone else has chosen to do to you. The, the, the willful act of another has cursed you somehow and you carry that around with you. And, and so you're always wondering how much of that is bleeding through and not and how much of that stains my present. Or maybe it's something that someone once said. Maybe it was some words that were spoken years ago. But you keep replaying them over and over in your mind and you can't let go of those words. And you've played them so much over and over that it's almost become a truth unto itself. You've begun to believe what he said about you or what she said about you. You've begun to buy that lie and it has now stained who you are. Maybe it's curse of perpetual sin in your life maybe it's some sort of unhealthy thought pattern i don't know what it would be for you i just know we're all like moses we all come to this point where we're ready to kind of turn back we all come to this point where we think no i'm, I'm too stained i'm too broken i'm too cursed i can't go any, we can't go forward because we live with the stain of our past until we meet a jethro Moses had this huge stain in his past. He had a curse that caused him to clench up whenever God said go to Egypt, to return to the scene of the crime. And it's as if Moses, I think, has this, this old faded photograph of that moment, that moment in time when, when, yeah, he raised his hand and he took that life. And he's been looking at that photograph for so many years. It's old and it's faded, but it's become normative for him. It's become the way he views himself because he fixates on who he once was. Until Jethro, after decades of being together, is able to say to him, you need to throw that picture away because that's not who you are anymore. I've never known that guy. Instead, this is what I see. So go toward peace. And it is years, I'm telling you, decades of meals and conversations and long walks among the sheep that put Jethro in a position to say that to Moses. And your Jethro has a similar bank of experiences that he or she can draw from that they can leverage when they seek to bless you toward the person that God called you to be. Your Jethro is the one who animates you toward the peace that can only come through God reversing the curse of your past. So when the home of your heart is filled with the stench of that toxic air that accompanies the stain of your past, you need a Jethro to come in and fling open the window and let the fresh air of God's blessing come rushing over you. So the question again today is this, who's your Jethro? Who's blessing you 
forward when you're tempted to turn back? Who is God using to reverse the curse in your life? And to whom has God called you to be a Jethro? To whom are you saying, go toward the peace of God? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord God, we give thanks for those who bless us. We give thanks for this word that helps us have insight into the importance of the blessers in our lives. God, I pray today in this moment we would give thanks for them. I pray today in this moment we could in some small way seek to bless them. But God, in turn, I think that the deepest prayer I have for us is that we would model the example, the pattern that they have set for us, and that we might pass on that blessing to someone else. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray through Christ. Amen. Today, the invitation of Christ is extended to any who would respond. Let's stand together and let's sing.